Well, we're talking about returning to faith and using our faith as a tool. We spent some time talking about the importance of hearing, uh, the four dimensions of walking by faith. We want to make sure you understand if you're going to use your faith as a tool. Say it with me. Hearing, hearing. Believing, believing, saying, saying. And, then and then doing. Uh, there's no way for us to walk in faith if we don't hear. And we know that faith comes by hearing, but not just what you read in the Word of God, but what you hear the Spirit of God saying of the Word of God directly to your heart, illuminating your heart, causing that Word to explode in revelation. And that's when the things really begin to flow for you in your life. But there's no point in talking about believing or saying or doing if we're not hearing. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ have just shut their minds, their hearts off from the things of God the past couple of years. It's a really good time to turn your ears back on again. Amen. And focus on what did God say rather than what everybody in the world is saying right now. Uh, you're going to see more confusion. You're going to see more darkness. You're going to see sin abounding. But what does the Bible promise us when sin abounds? Grace is going to abound all the more. Aren't you glad for that tonight? I mean, glad for the grace of God in your life. Yes. So we spent some time talking to you about hearing. Jesus really sums it up best when he says he who has ears to hear. And he's not talking about physical sounds, is he? He's talking about the meaning, the understanding, the revelation, the importance of what he's saying. So we began to talk to you about the second aspect of this, which is belief or believing. And it's important for us to understand that according to Romans chapter 10, there's not going to be any believing unless there's been some proclaiming. And that's why it's so important for us to thank God for the preached word of God. We should thank God for the apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists in the land and throughout the world because they're really the key to seeing the Word of God disseminated and in faith coming and people believing. No proclamation, there is no believing. Well, it's important to understand, you know, that we take this concept of believing and, and try to, to demystify it a little bit because a lot of people have this idea that it's just out there, just beyond my grasp, and believing God is not beyond your grasp. If that were the case, the Word of God wouldn't make it so plain. Where is the Word? It's nigh the hidden at church. It's not somewhere where you can't grasp it, can't get a hold of it. It is near you. It's not you have to go to heaven to get it or go around the earth or go down to the depths to get it. It's right there, the Word of God or the Word of Faith that we proclaim. And incidentally, we didn't come up with the name Word of Faith. The Apostle Paul did by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So never be ashamed to be called a faith person. Come on, say I'm a faith person. And I'm not ashamed. It's a whole lot better than being known as a doubt person. Amen. How many know if you are Thomas, it's better for you to be known for believing than doubting? Amen. And here we are in 2022 still talking about what? Doubting, doubting Thomas. What a thing. Well, at least he made it. Yes. Amen. And we know by the end of his life in ministry, he figured it out. He made some course corrections and did some great things you know, for God. But I want to point out to you that, uh, that believing is, is kind of uh, been really confused and, and misunderstood. And I want you to write this down if you still don't have it down. Here is a very simple definition of believing God. Say it with me, I believe. I believe. Is it important to believe? Yes. Yeah, 2 Chronicles 20, we learn from Jehoshaphat's story that after we seek God and God speaks prophetically and understand that the prophet who stood up that day stood as as one who is speaking on behalf of God. You and I are blessed to have the Word of God tonight in our laps tonight, don't we, church? We have the Word. But he spoke as the Word of God. And the Bible says that uh, you know the, the, the king challenged them. If you do what? If you believe the prophets, you'll what? You'll succeed. 
you'll prosper. But what's the catch? If. If you believe the prophets, if you believe what you have heard, then you're going to succeed. Say it with me. If I believe what I heard. If hearing was enough for success, the body of Christ would be thriving. But hearing is not enough. We have to believe the things that we've actually heard under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we understand how important and critical it is. But believe is just the conscious and intentional decision to believe what God has said. It's very simple. We talked about some people believing in a flat earth. Why do they believe in a flat earth? God only knows, but guess what? They believe it. And you believe, you may how many Christians believe in a flat earth. Uh, do they need their head examined? Yes, they need their head examined. Uh, do they still believe that the, the moon landing was faked by Hollywood? Maybe they do. There are lots of people that believe things, and that's fine for them to believe them. You and I need to be believing what, though? It's not a trick question. <laughs> believe what God has said. So at some point in time, so I don't care the evidence. I don't care about the pictures, you know, of the spherical earth. I don't care about all the satellite imagery. I don't care about all the weather channel. I don't care about that. I believe the earth is flat. What is that? That is a decision to believe something. Now, if we would be as dedicated to believing God's word as some people to believing fake news and garbage, we'd be more than conquerors in every area of life. But say it with me. It is the conscience. And intentional. Deliberate decision to believe what God said. So, how many of you believe that uh, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all the right? Okay, you, you what? You believe that. How many of you believe that when you throw down this earth suit, you're absent from the body, present with the Lord, you know where you're going? How many of you really believe there's a place called heaven and you're going there? At some point in time, you made the decision to what? To believe. How many believe that Jesus is the only way? Yes. Or is he just one of 15 ways? No. Why is he the only way? Because there's only one person, the God man that died for you and for me. It's really kind of simple. No one else ever has or will die for you. The one has paid the price. Therefore, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, a lot of people, they say, well, the Bible's irrelevant. And, and you know, the Bible has been diced and sliced and cut and great. Guess what? If you'll actually take the time to study, you'll find out that the word has doctrinal integrity over thousands of years, regardless of translation. Including present day finds and, and recent finds of Hebrew texts and Greek texts. God has preserved the Word of God. And that's one of the greatest miracles God has ever done, preserving the Word of God for integrity for us today to say, yes, this is what God's Word is. But guess what? If I believe in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, I decided to believe that. I decided one day to believe that I was called. Didn't have to. God wouldn't have forced me to, but I, I decided that I believe what he was saying personally about my life, but also in the scriptures. And that's the way it works. How many of you thank God he took your sin and gave you his righteousness? Yes. How many of you believe you are the righteousness of God in Christ? Yes. How many of you believe you're saints? Yes. Now, depending on who you were raised, what I just said was anathema to you. I mean, saints are, are codified by big committees with red hats and Miracles ascribed to your name and extraordinary service. Listen, sainthood's not based on your extraordinary service. It's based on Jesus' extraordinary service to the Father. And guess how you became a saint? 
you believed. This is the duty. This is what the Word of God tells you to me. Our duty is to believe on the one he sent. I made a decision one day that Jesus was Lord. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the Savior. Watch this. It's still a decision. Now, my spirit would always agree with God. Amen. Just like your spirit will always long for God. You're born again. But, you know, that's a, that soulish part of you and me doesn't always want to agree. It's <laughs> true. The battle for, for any faith assignment, anything you're ever believing God for, is not going to be anymore in the realm of your spirit. It's going to be in the realm of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. But say this to me. To believe, to believe. is to make. A deliberate, a deliberate conscience, conscience. Intentional, intentional decision to believe what God said. You came in today and you believe these seats would hold you up. Amen. There's a lot of things in the natural we believe because we decided to believe. And faith has been and, and made, you know, such a mystery and, and so mystical that sometimes we think it's, it's out of our reach, but it's really not. So what we hear, then we choose to believe. How many choosing to believe what the Word of God says for you tonight? Amen. Now, because um, you're not just a spirit being, but because you live in a body and because you do have a mind that needs renewed, a will that needs to be submitted, and emotions that need to be placed in check, God did not give you your emotions to run your life. Ever heard that before from this pulpit? <laughs> Let me say that again. God did not give me my emotions to run my life, but to experience life. Amen. And it's, it's, it's wonderful that he did. It'd be horrible to be robotic. At the same time, just because you feel things, that can't be your highest reality. Okay? So let's dive a little bit further into this tonight before we talk about some characteristics of the believing believer. Go with me over to uh, Mark chapter 9. And let's just look at a, a story that really illustrates this, this principle. Now, as you're turning there, let me define what I mean by believing believer. A believer in the Christian sense is someone who, is, who believes that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus died for them. They accepted him as Lord and Savior. They got born again. They're on their way to heaven. They made a decision to believe that. But a lot of people, even in this town, that believe that but refuse to go further. I can lay it out before them about the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They can look at me cross-eyed and say, well, that stuff has passed away. What are they saying? I don't believe. That's for today. I can lay out the Gospels about the healing power of God and the will of God to heal. And they can say, I don't believe that's for today. God heals through doctors or heals through nutrition or whatever. How many think God has given us doctors and technology? Yeah. But he still heals yes, he does. by divine power. Yes, he does. Uh, how many believe that? Yes. Amen. Well, I can do the same thing with, with, with deliverance and issues of the call of God. I could, I could tell you today that the will of God, there are not three separate wills for your life. No. That is false teaching. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if Jesus had A, B, or C <laughs> and picked the wrong one? <laughs> you and I would still be in our sin. Yeah. A perfect, a pleasing will of God. You know, when you think about the reality uh, of Romans, that goes back to the renewing of the mind and, and your body being subjected as a living sacrifice to Christ so that you're in a position to actually discern what the will of God is. But uh, 
He has one will for you. He has a plan for your life. Yes. You would be amazed how many people to even teach preach this from pulpits. Well, you just make your way and God will help you out and God will bless what you decide to do. Can I tell you something? He is under no obligation to bless what you decided to do. No. This is false teaching that says there is plan A and plan A only for Jesus. There is plan A and plan A only for the pastor. But, you know, for the rest of us, we can just do whatever we want, go wherever we want, do whatever we want. God doesn't care. Well, he'll let you do whatever you want to do. And some people misinterpret that as permissive will of God. You're making a mistake. These are adjectives, perfect, permissive, and what? Pleasing. They all refer to the same will, the unified will of God. In other words, God does not have a, a monster head with three different wills. No, he doesn't. He has what? One. He has one will. And it's your job, my job, to actually tap into what he is actually leading us to do. Guess what? Uh, you have to believe that. Amen. You can hear it all day long, but you have to believe that he has a perfect. And now making decisions becomes much more important and impactful for you and your family if, in fact, you believe he has a perfect will for your life. Say it with me. God has, God has. a perfect will for my life. That is also permissible and pleasing to him. Um, that's the correct mindset. So I decide to believe that it starts to direct and guide my life. What I mean tonight is there are all kinds of wonderful things in the Bible. Say wonderful things. And there are some very challenging commands. A believing believer will not just believe in salvation going to heaven. They'll believe in all the commands and the promises after the point of the new birth. Say, I'm a believing, I'm a believing believer. believer. If uh, God promises it, guess what they do? I heard a very famous evangelical preach one time. He said, now you can read the Psalms and the Proverbs, but don't you dare think you can claim the promises of them. I'm like, then what's the point? Uh, these... <laughs> These promises are for people that are dead, uh, that used to live. They're just for David. They're just for Solomon. They're just for these other guys. No, they're for me. Right. Uh, as for me, I'm going to believe Psalm 103 applies yeah. to me. If it doesn't apply to us today, then what's the point? Right. No, the Word of God is what? Eternal. And the promises of God are what? They are eternal. So when I say believing believer, I'm saying, yes, we believe in the new birth, but we believe in the rest of it. Two, and we don't apologize and we don't let people talk us out of things. Amen. Amen. That same Bible talks about a God that heals and delivers and prospers. Do you believe that tonight? Say it with me. He heals. He, heals. he, delivers. he delivers. He prospers. He prospers. And I tell you, the hungry hearts of the world out there want that. I, I told you this, this time I went to Ecuador with Bill McDonald, who is a career missionary from Kentucky. And he started in, um, in Cuenca where it's a very strong Catholic uh, stronghold. And it's, um, it's hard to describe exactly what it's like, but in Quito is the, the Vatican, really, of, of South America. And it's, it's hard to describe just how pagan it all feels. It's a mixture of paganism and Catholicism, and it's a stronghold there. And, of course, people are racked in poverty. Only the kids that went to a Catholic school or some kids in a Christian school went to school. Uh, they flirted with socialism recently and unfortunately rejected it. And there are only two uh, advanced schools of learning and theology left. One was a Catholic school and one was our school. And so we thank God that, uh, that it was preserved. But he went there and there was nothing there. Now there are over a thousand preaching points in churches throughout the nation of Ecuador from one missionary effort. And you know when he went there preaching? 
Um, I never even took Spanish. But on the day I was there, they were having their anniversary celebration. And all the church was, was developed on the ground floor underneath the basement. That's where they had their school. And then they had the top floor. And the top floor walls were not there. They, they were on the concrete and they set up chairs. And then behind us on the hill, hundreds of people walked to the church and sat across the street on the hillside to listen to the music and listen to the preaching. And here's what he preached. A very simple message. He said the vision of this church, he's coming down, everybody understand this? There are apostles in the world. This will be an apostle to the nation of Ecuador. He may take issue with that because the titles aren't a big deal. To, you know, to real apostles, titles don't matter. Thank you for your enthusiasm, Mother Rather. But that doesn't mean they don't exist. Someone who has a thousand preaching points in churches after going there, probably an apostle. <laughs> and lots of miracles. So here's what he preached. He said the vision of this church and I'm sitting in there without any formal training in Spanish whatsoever. How dumb was I? When everybody would greet each other, they'd say, hola. I thought everybody's name was hola for the first day I was there. That's how ignorant I was when it came to Spanish back then. Uh, not much further along the day. Now I can say taco and enchilada and stuff like that. Praise the Lord for that. But I'm sitting there listening to him preach. And it's just like the Spirit of God. Now this is the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, he speaks all languages yes. and he can take what's spoken in Spanish and deliver it to your heart in the way you can understand it. Yes. I experienced a miracle of hearing that day, much like you would have seen in Acts chapter 2. The difference was this was a known spoken national language, international language. He said, this is the vision of this church. And he started by saying, change lives. How wonderful is that? Amen. You're sitting there in abject poverty. You're looking for hope. And they go down there preaching, change lives. Second thing he said, miracles, milagros. He was talking about the power of God to do miracles in their midst. Now, to a person sitting there on the hillside, guess what? You want to know about changed lives, and you want to know about miracles. You know what the third thing he said? He said the third aspect of the vision of this church is prosperity. He's preaching to people where they make $600 a year. That's when he came there. They don't anymore. When I first came there, and I did a, a, a seminar on evangelism uh, in their school for the week while I was there, <laughs> uh, I was preaching, and Dave Thomas, another missionary of ours, was actually translating. And I just said something off the cuff, like, you know, when you get in your cars and you come to church, and he stopped me and said, they don't get in their cars and come to church. <laughs> I said, okay, well, you just take your liberty and rephrase that. Amen. <laughs> when, you, when you walk to church, guess what? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of vehicles and businesses owned because somebody sowed the seed of what changed lives and miracles and prosperity to a nation in abject poverty. You get what you preach. And they did in Cuenca. And you'd be amazed how many people in this region of the country will wrinkle their nose when you mention things like God desires to prosper his people. He takes pleasure Amen. In the prosperity of his people. Yes. Now stop right there. A believing believer says, I believe that. Amen. Just a believer says, I'm going to go to heaven one day. I don't need all that stuff. You take what you want, but don't you dare try to talk me out of what God said I can have. Amen. And the wrinkle little nose won't do any, any damage to me whatsoever. Just going to keep on believing. Because at some point you find out this stuff worketh. And you're not going to talk me out of what I know actually works. So I'm not going to stop because somebody else chokes on some promise 
or on some command of Scripture. Just going to believe it. That's it. Say it with me. I'm a believing, I'm a believing. Believer. believer. What do believing believers do? Believe. I believe, I believe, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> when they hear, what do they do? They believe. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. What does a believer do? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Do you see that? Riches in glory are able to take care of temporal needs. Yes, they are. Let me back up and try that one more time. There's a good place to shout tonight. Riches in glory can take care of temporal needs. What does a believer do? Believes. So, you know, there's no use in talking about speaking, declaring, you know, prophesying and doing if we're not going to believe the things that Almighty God said with his own mouth. Who said these things? Jesus said, given it shall be given. A lot of people think that Kenneth Hagin made that one up. Brother Copeland made that one up. No, Jesus said, give and it shall be given. What's the implication? If you're a giver, God's going to do what? He's going to give. Jesus said that. What does a believer do? Believe it. Hey, the Bible speaks of a heaven and a hell. What does a believer say? There's a heaven and a hell. There's a heaven and a heaven to gain and a hell to shine. Believers take the word and what do they do? They believe. That doesn't mean you don't go to the Word of God and you don't listen to things and don't search the Scriptures. You want to be like the Marines who are very wise this way and search the Scriptures to find out if the things the apostles were preaching were true. That's the way you should be. But boy, when you find out, amen, something in the Word of God, are you here tonight? Yes, amen. It's consistent with that Word. You believe the Word of God. This is such a critical component. Say, I'm a believing believer. And we believe. Can he still raise the dead? Yes. Can he raise the dead through you? Yes. You see, we can, I can go all night long on these principles and throw out scriptures to you, and at some point in time, you're probably going to choke. Why would you do that? Because that's an area where you need to expand in your believing based on what God said. And it's different for different people. Amen. And um, a lot of people have to do with material things. Some people have to do with, with the anointing of God and the power of God. Um, some people choke over the concept that God is good. Aren't you glad he's a good God? Yes, he is. I still marvel that people would every year try to kick Oral Roberts out of the Methodist church because he would say publicly on television, God's going to do something good in your life today. How do you know that? Because he's good. Yes. How dare you say God's going to do something good? Say, well, my God is good. And what he does is good. Taste and see the Lord is what? Good. Surely loving kindness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Does it sound like God is good to his people or bad to his people? Why can we believe he's good? Because that's what the scripture says. And believers believe that he's good. So I've given you plenty of time to get to Mark 9. I've given you plenty of time to write Mark 9 verbatim. Amen. your notes. So look at this scripture with me. When uh, verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Now watch this dynamic. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, 
I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You see this. What is going on here? He is experiencing something that didn't work out in his, in his, in his sight, in his hearing. He experienced a, 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 an option here, a, an opportunity to believe, but something did not happen. That was his experience. How many know experience can be very, very powerful? Yes. Say it again, say powerful. powerful. Now, if you go back a little bit, you'll find out that earlier the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest. I'm not going to get into tonight, but I just want to put this out to you. If you have a party spirit, competitive jealousy, trying to figure out who is the greatest and trying to promote yourself and walking in security so that you can you know, position yourself to get whatever in, in the kingdom of God you think you should have, you're not going to have any power. That spirit will not produce any power. So that was on them in terms of where they were at at that moment. But look what Jesus says. You un, uh, unbelieving Generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, you know as well as I do that it wasn't just uh, directed at the people. This was as much directed towards his own, his own disciples as it was the, the people. Look at this. It is often thrown him into the fire, water can, but if you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who what? Believe. Believes. So if we hear and we believe, how does that work? It taps the impossible in your life. You see, it pays to be a believer. Listen to what he says. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, you know the rest of the story. The Lord delivers him, rebukes that thing. But I want you to, to zero in on that phrase, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Say that with me. I do believe. I do believe. Help, me Help me overcome my unbelief. Let me explain this to you, you know, this way. And then I'm going to share these characteristics with you of the believing believer. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Here's what it's, he's saying. I choose to believe. I've decided to believe. Help me overcome when my mind, my will, and emotions waver from that decision. Are you here tonight? Say it with me. I choose to believe. Lord, help me when in my mind, my will, my emotions, I begin to waver from that decision. Why would he waver from that decision? Because you just saw his own disciples couldn't do a thing with it. See what happens? How powerful it is when you get your eyes off of what you heard about Jesus has delivered. Why in the world would he bring them to his disciples in the first place? Because he'd heard something. And yet it didn't produce anything. So he's got this experience now trying to circumvent and stand before his understanding of what he heard about Jesus the healer. This is where the battle is. You can believe and still say things like, help me in my unbelief. And what he means is, I, I believe, but my mind is telling me not to believe. 
I believe, but my emotions are all over the place. I believe, but I may not act consistently in my will with what I say. I believe I need you to help. In other words, Lord, I need you to help me in the soulless realm of this battle. And how many know he does? And he will. This is where staying in the word of God, staying in prayer, staying around faith, people being affirmed and walking with people of like precious faith, you know, come into play where you and I are affirmed and encouraged and strengthened in our faith rather than every time we turn around, somebody second guessing us and questioning us and putting us down. I tell you, it's wonderful when you have a dream, but you do have to be careful who you share it with. I mean, Christians can, can absolutely destroy the dream in another believer's heart in, in quick fashion. Amen. That shouldn't be the way it is. No. You find a believer, somebody say, you know what? I, I believe with you. I believe you receive that in Jesus name. I'm going to pray with you every day. I'm going to pray in the spirit of the situation and God is going to bless your life. You're going to accomplish this thing in Jesus name. Not roll our eyes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's right. right. Amen. 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 Man, that's contemptible, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're going to get that. Sure. You know, that's not on them. That's on you when you react that way. When their dream is bigger than you can comprehend or agree with, that's not on them. That's on you. That's a problem in your will, your mind, your emotions. Not there. They're believing God. Amen. So what does it mean? It means that you can make the decision to believe, and then you've got to keep your mind and your will and your emotions in check. And to the extent that you do that, you're going to see victory in your life. I believe with all my heart. This, this body, the people in this church, you've been believing God for things. You're about to see manifestations like you've never seen before. Because you've been learning how to what? Make that mind, that will, amen, those emotions line up with your profession. What you have said. Say it, I believe. I believe. So whose job is it to do that? It's your job to renew your mind and keep your mind on the Word of God. It's your job to make sure your will is submitted every single day. It's your job to recognize when your emotions are trying to put you away and, and carry you off from the things of God and make decisions based on how you feel instead of what the Word of God says. Uh, this is the way it's going to be. Now, one day, here's good news for you. You're going to have a fully glorified mind. Hallelujah. Amen. Say it with me. Then I'm really going to be smart. Praise the Lord. You're going to have a fully glorified will. You're going to have a fully glorified set of emotions. Amen. You realize you'll still be feeling in heaven? You'll still be thinking in heaven? You'll still be making decisions in heaven? Yes, you will. The biggest decision every day is I'm walking with him. Amen. (laughs) I'm going to dance with the one that brung me. I'm not going to do a Lucifer thing here. Uh, Now, what we believe, say we believe. We believe glorification has already started. It's not complete, with the exception of the born-again spirit. Do you know your spirit, man, will never be more glorified than it is right now? Did you know there's a glory ball on the inside of you just can't wait to get out? In the garden, they sinned, covered themselves with fig leaves. The Father provided a sacrifice. Blood was shed, gave them skins. But what did they lose originally? When they sinned, the light went out. It's always been God the Father's desire to restore the glory back to his people. He never desired to stop with skin. You're going to get the glory back. Hey, when we see Charlie one day in heaven, 
and be you know a couple miles down, it'll just be a ball of glory of light. <laughs> Amen. How will we know it's Charlie? We'll we'll know as we're known. <laughs> Amen. Now, your perfection of your body, the glorification of your body, we know that comes in the end times. And we know that uh, the glorification, the full restoration of the manifestation of God's presence, power, and goodness. Say it with me, the manifestation of God's presence and power and goodness, which is what the glory is. We know the full measure of that happens on the other side. But in Christ, it's already started. Your, your mental capacity, your, your ability to stay on the Word of God, your, your healing from mental issues, whatever the case may be, anxiety, whatever it is, you should be growing in those areas. You should be developing because you're supposed to be getting glorified right now. In other words, our minds are being glorified, our wills are being glorified, our emotions are being glorified. How many of you thank God because of the influence of the Word of God and the Spirit of God? You're not nearly as emotion ruled as you used to be. Yes, amen. That was a good place for some of y'all say, hee ha, yay, amen, praise the Lord. Because that's how you ran your life. Your feelings were your highest authority. And how many times did that get you into trouble? Okay. Apparently a couple. (laughs) Raise your hand if you being the emotion ruled ever got you into trouble before. Now, I'm not saying you've arrived. Everybody can have a bad day. <laughs> it is Wednesday night, isn't it? Look at somebody and say, well, at least you came to church. <laughs> you may have acted out earlier today, but at least you came to church. Bless God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, you may still have times where, you know, you, you do not walk in your emotions as a, as a glorified person. But that used to be the daily rule. Aren't you glad now it's more of the exception? Amen. Come on, honestly, raise your hand if it's really now more of the exception. You're not perfect yet. One day you'll be there. And maybe you don't always keep your mind where it needs to go. Maybe you're not always pure of mind or focused of mind. Or maybe you're not you know, hitting on all glorification. is not just not thinking certain things or on purpose thinking the right things. It also means you're functioning at a higher level mentally because of glorification. A glorified will means that day by day you're choosing God's way more consistently than you used to. Um, Christians, I've, I've talked about this. And just to give you another illustration here. Um, I talked about the itch before. And a lot of Christians get an itch and they veer off over here. They get an itch and they move over there. They get an itch and they take off over here. And that's how they live their lives. Until they realize that they can be glorified in their will. Amen. And start doing what God wants them to do. How many of you from time to time still do what you want to do? Even if you think it's not what God wants. Nobody's going to volunteer. Amen. <laughs> Um, one day, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your spirit, everything will be perfectly glorified. What a day that will be. Amen. Come on, say it. What a day that will be. Now, I could say all that, and if you're sitting here today, say, I, I just don't believe that glorification stuff. I, I just don't believe it. I just die and go to heaven one day, and that's all that matters. I don't have any responsibility. shouldn't worry about what I think right now, what I say, what I feel, the decisions I make. Well, that's a choice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Say it with me. It's a choice. It's a choice. 
Say with me, belief is a choice. Let's demystify it. That's all it is. Now, supported by what the Word of God says, you're on solid foundation. Uh, as for me and my house, I choose to believe. Yes. Amen? Say, I'm a believing, I'm a believing. Believer. believer. But what does this guy have going on? He saw with his own eyes the disciples could do nothing for this boy. He heard with his own ears. He has strong feelings of disappointment and probably contempt. And now we also see the strife broke out over what? That lack of power and lack of results. He had a lot of things going on in his mind, emotion, and will at that point in time. Do I believe he was ultimately you know, turning to the Lord? Did he believe God could do this? Yes, or he never would have brought him to the disciples in the first place. He knew these people traveled with him, and no doubt they'd, they'd released power and things that happened in their own lives. We know he sent them out, and they did wonderful things. Aren't you glad for that? Yes. How many know he's still sending them out? Yes. How many know he's still using you? Yes. Do you believe that today? Yes. He's still, you know, say it with me, I'm anointed. I'm anointed, I'm anointed to heal, anointed. Deliver. deliver, set free. Set free. Amen? A lot of people won't say things like, I am righteous or I am anointed. And yet the Bible tells us that there is an anointing, amen, that remains or abides in you. You are anointed. Amen. Say it with me, I'm anointed. I am anointed. That would freak some religious folk out of their minds. How dare you say you're righteous? How dare you? I'm not saying it, God said it. I'm just believing it. See, the one criticizing you is the one with the real problem because they won't believe what the master said. Yeah. Don't ever worry about the opinions of people when you're lining up with the master. Right. You're on solid ground when you're doing that. Amen. There's a lot for him to overcome. And that's what it is for us today. There is, we believe, and yet the mind, the will, the emotions continue in five different directions. And it's up to you to keep them Corralled. Amen. Yes, amen. So write these down. This will just encourage you tonight. Here's some characteristics of the believing believer. See, I'm one of them. Believing believers are not ignorant. What does that mean? It means they know what the Word of God says. They know what the Word of God says. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You can't be a believing believer when you don't know the wonderful promises as well as the commands of God. You have to know what he says. You have to have heard the word of God. Um, say it with me. I'm not ignorant. And all that means is lacking knowledge or without knowledge. That's why Paul would pray things like that we would have a spirit of what? Wisdom. And revelation. So we would know things. Jesus said, You will know the truth, and what will happen? And the truth will set you free, but you have to what? You have to know it. So believing believers are, are not content just to hear the salvation message every Sunday morning. Do we need to have it? Yeah. Yes. Do we need to have altar call? Yeah. yeah. Do we need to give people the opportunity? Yes. Yeah. Uh, most of you are aware, if you're on the platform, that uh, it's rare that somebody doesn't raise their hand and make their life right with Christ. Uh, I think last night, uh, last Wednesday, 2-12, there were five or seven that gave their lives to Christ, something like that, on the first Sunday back on campus. Uh, yes, that's, that's critical. Yeah. 
But somebody is not going to find out how to be a believing believer just hearing how to get saved every single Sunday morning. You have to have training in reigning, training in righteousness, training in the fruit of the Spirit, in the power of God, in the gifts of the Spirit, living the Spirit-filled life. You've got to be taught those things. Um, so say it with me. My people are destroyed for lack of what? It's one of the first Christian, one of the first scriptures I learned and memorized when I was first born again. I understood it then and I understand it now. I've got to keep growing in the wisdom of God. If we lack wisdom, God will say, tough? Is that what he says? No. No, if we ask him, what will he do? He gives it to us and give it to us liberally, without upbraiding us, rebuking us, correcting us, or making fun of us. There they go again, needing wisdom. That's not how his attitude is. He loves to give his wisdom to his people. Amen. Number two, believing believers are not ashamed. We're just not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the good news. We're not ashamed of the promises of God. We believe what God has said, which means we choose to believe the grand promises and the good news. Paul said it like this in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is what? The power of God for what? Unto salvation to them that believe. And write this word down in your notes or in the margin of your Bible, soundness. It means soundness in every area of life. And, you know, the world kind of scoffs at the church, but you know where most of the criticism comes towards people who preach the word of God without compromise? It comes from religious people inside the so-called church. Now I'll say it, I'm not ashamed. See, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto my forgiveness. It is the power of God unto righteousness. It is the power of God unto redemption. It is the power of God unto deliverance. It is the power of God unto healing. It is the power, it is the power of God unto the miraculous. It is the power of God under the gifts of the Spirit. It is the power of God under walking in the fruit of the Spirit. It is the power of God under prosperity. Amen. And guess what? I am not ashamed. Amen. Now, you have to understand this because that's one of the tools the devil will use and religious will, religion will use you to shut you up. That's why what Bill McDonald did in Ecuador was so outstanding. So here's what religion says. You, you can't preach prosperity to a nation that has an average income of $600 a year. What are you thinking? That's like going to a, a, a gathering of people and saying, you can't preach salvation and forgiveness to a room full of sinners. <laughs> you can't go to you know, a hospital gathering to a bunch of people that are dying and preach healing? How insensitive. You're missing the point. If they can't hear, they won't believe. If they won't believe, they won't speak. And if they don't speak, they won't do. They won't see the manifestation. That's why I will say this often. That it's ministerial malpractice not to preach the word of God so that people can believe. Let them accept it or reject it. I, listen to me. I am off the hook if I preach it. That's it. I am not responsible for you believing it. That's between you and your God. My accountability comes if I won't speak it because what? Well, somebody shamed me over it. 
Well, too late. <laughs> there comes a time where you cross the faith line and you just don't Amen. care. It's like John Wayne, I can't tell you how much I don't care. <laughs> and that's where you've got to get. You are, you are not going to give up the precious promises of God to satisfy the attitude of some religious person. Don't dumb down your faith to be accepted from somebody who would shame you over these things. Lay hold of all of them. Amen. That's why the psalmist says in 103, and forget what? Bless the Lord, oh my, oh my what? My soul. Why? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. What? And forget not. Why do we have to be reminded? Because we forget. And he's saying, all right, this is what you deep down believe. This is what your spirit man would grab onto. This is what the word says. Now, soul, shape up. Yep. <laughs> Amen. He forgives all your sins. You'd be amazed how many religious people don't really believe that he forgives all sins. Some are just too terrible to forgive. There's only one unpardonable sin. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is to attribute the working of the Spirit of God to demons or demonic activity. There's a special kind of stupid to do that. And a special kind of hardness to do that. But no matter what you have done, the Word says He forgives all your sins. But the same Word says incredibly, He heals all your diseases. Now, a lot of Christians would say, yes, amen, praise the Lord, amen, let's pass the plate. He forgives all of our sins. But then when they hear he heals all their diseases, up goes the mind, the will, and the emotions to block the believing that their heart longs to believe. Say it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. None of it. It's good news. Come on, shout out, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto soundness, unto wholeness. Number three, believing believers are not impatient. Uh-oh, pastor, I might as well just leave right now. No, what you're going to do is you're going to work on it. Believing believers know what the Word of God says in Hebrews 6. Well, the Bible tells us very plainly here, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now, what does patience do? It's not hanging on for dear life. Dear Jesus, hurry up. It's the concept of undergirding your faith with patience. And this is all a function of what you do with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Left alone, spirit man will believe what God said. But you don't live in a world that is in a vacuum and it's just God and His Word and nobody around and nothing happening. You're not there yet. You, one day you will be in a spiritual vacuum of sorts and there'll be nothing wicked there. You're not there. So now what you have to understand is you, you, you stand on what God's Word says and you get up tomorrow morning, the mind begins to go in a different direction. You know, no, no mind, you knock it off. You're going to listen to what the Word and speak the Word of God and you encourage yourself in the Lord just like David did. And your will starts to waver on what God told you to do. No, no, you're going to do what God told you to do. God spoke this to you. Now you're going to fulfill the call of God on your life in Jesus' name. 
emotions are freaking out because things aren't happening. You're getting upset. You're getting mad. You're getting antsy. You know, maybe you're getting a little bit jealous of other people. Don't be, don't be jealous. Don't be envious of people. Don't say stupid things like, you know, this never happens to me. I'm better than them. No, you just what? You tell your, your, tell your emotions to stop the crying. Knock it off. Don't allow your emotions to rule your spirit, man. You let your spirit, man, tell your emotions to shut up and get in line. Whether that is anger, amen, or jealousy, or pride, or whatever, or pity. Listen, pity does not get you breakthrough. It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. You don't please God with pity. Amen. In fact, I, I have never gone down that road very much in terms of teaching on pity, but I will tell you this. If you want to not you know, completely you know, separate yourself from faith, but, but put yourself in a holding pattern in your life. Everybody say holding pattern. Holy Let yourself go into pity. It's like going into no man's land where nothing good happens. Until you wake up and say, no, that's not what God blesses, you know, pill. And it's like Disney kid, you're pitiful enough. No, we don't want to be more pitiful. We want to be more faith filled in Jesus name. Amen. Say it with me. I'm not ignorant. I'm not ashamed. I'm not impatient. Say it with me again. Say, I'm not impatient. I'm not impatient. Have patience. Have patience. Say, Pastor, I'm confessing that, but right now I'm not very patient. Well, work on it. Uh, it's fruit of the Spirit. It's a developmental issue. And follow the example of the people that went before you. The good news is, eventually what happens is, you get to see the end of your faith. If you'll hang in there. Uh, note this, that a lot of people assume that if there's a faith failure, that it was faith that failed. A lot of times it's patience that fails. If you just believe a little longer, you would have seen the thing manifest. Now, Keith Moore told the Lord one time, said, I, I want a, a new car and here's what I want. And we're going to sow towards that. And, and if it's of you, it's going to come by such and such a time on midnight. Well, guess what happened? Certain, <laughs> certain day on the calendar, a certain day of the week, it come 12 o'clock, guess what? No car. And he was, you know, he was like a lot of us, you know, just growing in faith and developing in these things. And, you know, at least he was looking to God, right? A lot of good things about that story. And uh, he just, he threw down his faith. And, uh, you know, a few weeks later, he's just bawling and squalling on the floor. How come I don't have the car? I believe you for this. We confess this. We sow it towards this, you know. And the and Lord, Lord just spoke to him. He goes, you, you just didn't believe long enough. You gave up too soon. And the Lord said, you know, that you can pick up right where you left off. I can. <laughs> yeah, just pick it back up again. Start believing God for it. A few weeks later, somebody gave them the keys to a brand new vehicle they were believing for. For the purposes of doing the ministry they called them to do. Could you imagine if he stayed on the floor bawling and squalling? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you may still be there. Looking for God. Say it with me. I am not ignorant. I'm not ashamed. I'm not impatient. Number four, I'm not doubtful. Believing believers are not doubtful. They believe the word over circumstances, events. They believe the word over their senses. 
They believe the word of God over their feelings. Jesus answered them, Matthew 21, 21, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Now, raise your hand if you ever believe something, but then doubt came. You have to treat it ruthlessly. You have to deal with it quickly. I mean, you don't don't fight a thought with a thought. You fight a thought with the words of your mouth. Your mind will stop to listen to what your mouth is saying. And that's where you go back to what you've been believing and remind yourself what the Word of God says. Yes, that's perfectly you know, natural for people to have doubts about things. But there comes a point in time where when doubt robs you of God's best, so many times you get tired of it. Amen. And you don't want to give doubt that ability anymore in your life. You want to fire doubt from your life. Jesus reached out immediately the Peter here and he took him by the hand and said uh, you little faith why did you doubt that tells us that just like believing is a decision you're not going to like this doubt is a decision write it down in big bold letters doubt say it doubt is a decision if belief is a decision, an intentional, conscious decision to believe what God said, then doubt is an intentional, conscious decision to what? Not, Not believe what God said. We act as this stuff is out there and we're just, we're just victims of whatever environment we're in. No, you and I, with the power of God and the faith of God, are masters of our own atmosphere. Are you here tonight? Which means you get to believe by choice or you can doubt by choice. But guess what? You can't do both at the same time. You can't walk on the water and sink at the same time. Why did you doubt? Why did you, after choosing to believe, then choose to doubt? That was the question. Amen. Say it with me. I'm a believer. A believing believer. Not a doubter. Come on, say it. I'm not a doubter. I'm a believer. Somebody else needs to hear this one more time. I'm not sure I believe that, Pastor. That's my point. Thank you for making it. Say, belief is a decision. Doubt is a decision. One of these days, we'll not only wake up to who we are, the royalty that we are, the people we are in God, we'll also wake up to the authority that we have. That we don't have to think anything we don't want to think. We don't have to decide anything we don't want to decide that doesn't line up with God's Word. And that's where the teaching stems from. Not from, we're just a bag of bones that God felt sorry for and sent Jesus to die for us and one day we go to heaven. No, you are the apex of His creative ability. He says in His Word, what is man that you're mindful of Him? Say it with me, I am the apex of God's creative ability. Out of everything as fabulous as these pictures are of Jupiter and the universe and all the solar systems, guess what? His pride and his joy is sitting in this room tonight. Did you hear what I said tonight? We've just forgotten. We have a case of dynamic spiritual amnesia. We don't remember who we are. And one day you wake up and say, I... I can choose to believe. 
I'm not forced to doubt. There's not a force out there making me doubt. There's an influence out there that's different. Yeah. Y'all remember when you're in high school and there's peer pressure all over the place? <laughs> Telling you to drink and to smoke and to do this and to do that. Guess what you had the power to say? No. Nancy Reagan had the revelation. Just say no. Guess what? There's some truth there that a lot of people laughed at her, but guess what? You can say no. You can say no to the idiot throwing their life away on drugs and alcohol in high school and choose not to live that way. In the same way, I can decide tonight, yep, I, I see doubt trying to fly by, but guess what? No, I have decided to believe. You see this? Say I mean, believing is a choice. Doubt is the choice. I've been a Christian for many years and I never ever understood doubt as a decision. But you know what? That's, that's what revelation is all about. That's what growth is all about. Amen? You're supposed to still be growing. Your pastor is supposed to still be growing. And by growing, I don't mean diverting from the word and calling it growth. Growing in the word, so those that walk with us can grow in the word and advance in the word. You know how how powerful tonight is. If you will grab onto this revelation, that I can decide to doubt or decide not to doubt. Yeah, yeah. You know, never be the same. That's right. Amen. It won't just be a little cutesy, cutesy doubt your doubts to believe your beliefs. No, 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 no. I know who I am in Christ. I'm the head, not the tail, above only not beneath. I am the redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I am full of the Holy Ghost and the wisdom of God. I do not doubt. Amen. You see, that spirit is different from, well, you know, it just happens to everybody. No. I'm telling you that the closer we get to that day, our eyes are going to be open to who we are. Watch this. Not everybody, because if they're not in the Word, it's not going to happen. But that Word crowd... That Holy Ghost crowd, the more you get to that line, the more your eyes and heart are going to be open to who you really are. I would say half of us here don't even have a clue yet what we really are. Not all the revelation is going to happen on the other side. Why, Pastor? Because we're going from glory to glory and faith to faith glorification to glorification, we should be advancing in our mind, our will, and our emotions while God preserves the body to do what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Say it with me. I have have the God-given ability ability to choose. choose. Ever heard the phrase, you're a free moral agent? That's right. You can choose to doubt or choose to believe. No one can make you do one or the other. I can get up here and criticize the word and put it down and tell you that Isaiah was written by five different authors and why this particular book shouldn't be in the Bible and get off on what Luther said about the book of James and spend hours hammering you with reasons for you to doubt the integrity of the word of God. But guess what? You can still walk out and say, I don't care what that crazy preacher says. That's it. I choose to believe with the Word of God. 
Now, the other side is true. You can sit in not one week years of a believer's convention. You can go to three believer's convention. You can, you can like, you used to do them in L.A., you used to do them in L.A. and in Fort Worth and up in Milwaukee. You can go to all three of them and still walk out saying, I don't know if I believe that or not. Yeah. It's not being slammed with stuff, but you recognize and you have the ability to choose. And that tonight was worth coming for. Yes. Yes. Amen. It's worth hearing that we have that ability. Real quickly, not ignorant, not ashamed, not impatient, not doubtful. The believing believer, last is not fearful. Amen. Say it with me, not fearful. Not fearful. What do they do? They stop the fear and they choose to believe. Similarly, fear is a decision. But specifically, I want you to understand tonight, according to Proverbs 19.25, this from the message, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. You're not called to fear people. Amen? Their opinions of you. Um, I've, I've told this story for years, but somebody here needs to hear it. A businessman came up to me one time in our church and said, you know, I was talking to so-and-so and their community leader, and they said to me, uh, where do you go to church at? And he said, uh, I, I go to Hope Harbor Church. And he stood by my and goes, ooh, that's a church for serious believers and Christians. <laughs> like, okay, shouldn't we all be serious about our Christian faith? It's like, what was that all about? Um, <laughs> I had another man who he transitioned one time from a high-profile job in this community uh, to a more profile job, but he decided that you and I were not socially acceptable enough for him to hold that position and be in this particular fellowship. That's perfectly fine because I'll tell you this, what matters is that you decide it doesn't matter if people like you or not, affirm you or not, support you or not, promote you or not, slap you on the back or not, you're going to walk with God no matter what. Amen. Yes. I said individual, I said, uh, uh, you know, this is years and years and years ago. And the first little bit that we were first here as, as pastors, and I said, uh, uh, tell me. Well, first of all, I was surprised they even took my phone call. <laughs> but then I asked them, I said, tell me, what, what ministry vision is leading you to this decision to transition? Dead silent. And then they said, Art. You ask really hard questions. <laughs> that was it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if everybody goes with you. That's right. Uh, where people can clear a room as, as fast as they can build a room. Mm -hmm. Yes. Jesus preaching to 50,000. Yeah. He decides to get off on this, eat my body, drink my blood thing. Thank and guess what? They all leave. He turns to his disciples and says, y'all going to leave too? And Peter says, in one of his moments of inspiration, to whom shall we go? Listen to that powerful word. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I am going to walk on with God. And that doesn't mean you have to be belligerent and ugly and mistreat people and then call it persecution. No, I'm just simply telling you, that you choosing to be a believing believer is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Amen. Amen. But let me encourage you, it's good tea. Oh, yes, it is. Amen. Drink it down. Amen. So let me help you out here as we, as we wrap this up. Say it with the fear of man, fear of man. disables. 
uh, you know, wanting to be liked and accepted and all that and fearing being rejected if you hang out. I mean, hang out with Wilma and you'll get a reputation. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Be one of them. Yeah. Hang around Bruce over here. And <laughs> it's okay, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, because you're working on something. I promise you this, growing in grace and seeing all of God's favor and just counting your blessings and watching them grow you up, you don't care. Amen. Um, You're not here to please people. But if you live your life afraid of what people think of you, there's no way for you to be a believing believer. Because the point where they disapprove is the point where you'll let go of that piece of the word. They'll roll their eyes. They'll step back. You know, They'll try to look at you like you're strange because you happen to believe that. Well, that's all fine and dandy. Don't base what you believe on the reactions of people. Amen. Let me try that just one more time because you missed a really good chance to say amen there. Don't base, amen, your beliefs on the opinions of others. Amen. How they'll look at you if you embrace those. Go over to, to Philippians for a moment. I'll just close with this. I'm a believing believer. I'm going to read it from this other translation here. When you're there, say, I am there. Look at uh, Philippians 4, verse 10. Now, I want to just use this scripture as an example of how to be a believing believer with it and the pitfalls that you may face, the challenges you may face doing that. In verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do what? All things things through Him, or through the anointing that gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. Now, this is high praise, isn't it? In other words, you Philippians got it. You were ahead of the curve of what it means to be involved with the gospel. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that the the more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Paphroditus the gifts you sent, their fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. Can you see how this encouraged the heart of Paul? Um, he also said this, that your natural, temporal, carnal, what people would make fun of, material blessing for the ministry that I am doing, they may make fun of it, but there is something being credited to your account because of what you're doing. Paul talked about that. Say it with me, I have a heavenly account. Don't forget that, amen? Well, how do I deposit it? Sowing and giving. That's how you deposit into your heavenly 
account. And he says this, now we love to rip this out of its context. And my God, say my God. Isn't that exciting what he says here? He's saying, I know God, my God. My God will meet all your needs according to what? His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We share the Savior. We share his redemption. My God, what? Hey, you Philippians who have been taking care of these natural needs, my God will take care of your needs. My God. Say, my God. My God. Now, I just want to say this to you. Now, let's, let's look at this through the eyes of a doubter. Well, you know, it doesn't take all that. You know, they do this just to get in our pockets and take all of our money. It's just what these preachers preach to, to get money. No, you're missing the whole point. When you have revelation and you're a believer, you understand these principles actually advance you financially, not detract from you. But a doubter says, oh, you know, and, and lots of people do doubt the integrity of that teaching. That's their own problem. But watch this. He says, based on what you have done, based on your giving and sowing, my God will supply all your needs. Say all. All, all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, how many believers do we have? Amen. How many doubters do we have? How could I be a doubter? You could be a doubter by refusing to be a giver. You could be a doubter by being a giver and being saying God doesn't care about returns and investment in my life. You could doubt that. You could doubt that on purpose sowing seed will not produce the results you're believing God for. In other words, a believing believer will sow seed and stay on that word and let the seed go to work for them and produce the breakthrough for them having faith and confidence in what God said in that particular promise. What I'm going to do is I'm going to trust the seeds I assume are going to produce for me. That's what a believing believer would do. A doubter would say, I sowed my seed, but maybe, just maybe, it's not going to work. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's going to work. It always works. It's going to work in your situation. Unless you what? So you could doubt, say, well, you know, I'm not going to participate in Paul's missionary offering. Oh, if I do, it's not going to produce anything. I just give religiously like everybody else. Or I'm going to doubt what he said about my God. Mm -hmm. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to be a tither. I'm going to be a giver. I'm going to be a sower. And guess what? I'm also grabbing the promise. Yeah. Said, I'm grabbing hold of the promise. That my God will what? Uh, seed is a powerful thing. I said it's a powerful thing. When you have been a sower, have confidence that it's going to produce for you. Why do I bring this up? Because, you know, we're, anybody here could use a little more money in their life? Raise your hand if you could always use a little more money to sow or whatever. Raise your hand up high. Like, you don't have to be ashamed of it. Like, <laughs> and how many of you need to get born again? No one? No one needs to get born again tonight. Are you sure? Because we'll take the time. Yeah, we will. Yeah, okay. No one needs to get born again tonight. Maybe everybody here is born again tonight. Wednesday crowd? Not, not a bad assumption. But how many people with the raised hand could use a little more help financially? 
just a couple people, or would you say the majority, if not every person in this room, could always use something else? So, is it important what we believe about these things? Yes, it is. Yes. Did the pastor Art tell Paul to write this? No. <laughs> How did it get into the Bible? The inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're not careful, you'll believe in your salvation, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the second coming of Christ, heaven, your heavenly home, that you're righteous, and not believe your seed is working. On that, you would not be a believing believer. But can I encourage you today? Your seed is working. Come on, your seed is working. Yes. Say it with me. My tithe is working. My, tithe. My sowing is working. Yes. And if you're a sower and a giver, guess what you get to do? You get to claim that promise yes. over your life every single day. Amen. But a doubter would say it doesn't take all that. Who cares? You know, because you're going to believe what other people have said or believe what your doubt is saying. You will not do the things that God has called you to do. That's fine, but you can't grab the promise either. Given it shall be given requires you first what? This is not rocket science. Give and it shall be given requires that you what? You first give. give. It doesn't say you shall be given, then give. It's like looking at a fireplace and say what? Give me some heat and I'll throw in some wood. <laughs> no, what are you going to do first? You're going to throw in the wood and you're going to get the heat. Um, but say it with me, I believe. I believe. My challenge is, as we talk about return to faith is, is go overboard in your hearing, but what you hear from the Word, believe it. Yes. Come on, say it. It's time, it's time. to believe, believe what God said. Enough time doubting. Amen. And I, I believe, regardless of what you know, you hear the flutterings in the media and all this stuff, all this stuff in politics, whatever. That, you know, when you made up your mind to believe God, you took your finances out of the realm of the government. Amen. And the world and the economy. And you put it in God's hands. Yes. Amen. Amen. And your God uh, has no needs. He's not poor. He's not broke. Amen. Have you heard about the contents of this one asteroid that's floating around in space right now? I can't remember how many zeros it's worth. There's not even a word, I think, in our vocabulary to describe the wealth of that thing in terms of its natural resources. But if we could just lasso that thing, it would make everybody on this planet an instant billionaire. Now watch this. That's one asteroid in one system of this part of the galaxy, of God's entire universe. And we choke over, given it shall be given, and my God shall supply. He's well labeled. It's not a God has issue or supply issue. It's a, it's a faith issue. It's a decision to believe. Say with me, I decide, I decide. to believe and not doubt. Amen. Give him a hand clap and thank him tonight, folks.